Hi, this is George Denho. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5x2 Podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For this episode, we're going to be talking with Barb Hackman as we discuss being Christian in politics. So Barb, thank you for taking the time to join the, the podcast today for this episode. Can you just get us started off by telling us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share, and then I, I know George will have a lot of follow-up questions for you. Okay. Thank you, Dustin and George, for having me today. I've been in politics for over 40 years now. 40 years? So you started when you were 12, right? <laughs> yeah, close, close. <laughs> well, So how did you get started in politics? Let's, let's just start there. I was working for Farm Bureau Insurance back in early 80s, and I worked for Jim McKinney at the insurance. I was his, one of his secretaries for when he was a Farm Bureau Insurance agent. So when he was elected as, and that's when I first started, you know, helping with elections um, on the campaign trail. He was running for sheriff for his second uh, time around, and he asked whether I would be his matron. And so I went, um, and I was actually expecting my youngest daughter at the time, but I did start, and 40 years later, here I am in all different capacities and with several different offices throughout the county. You just said a term, and I, we were, earlier we were talking, and I, you said it before. What does that matron mean? I know, I know the matron oh, of honor is yeah. in the wedding, but what is a matron in politics? It's a little bit different than in, in the sheriff's department. The matron is the one, uh, we're the ones that, because most of the jail officers were men, so if there were any women that were incarcerated, the matron is the one that took care of booking them in properly. Well, I know that our corrections department now has a mixture of men and women, but most of our sheriffs, I believe, are, are still men. Yes, yeah. And and when I was on the sheriff's department, we did have two gals that were actually deputies that rode patrol. So it, it has come a long way from the, the past. Me, the men only thing. I know there's, <laughs> yes. there's a few more city police that are, are females. Right. So. Barb, tell us a few of the offices you've had in, in politics. Like I said, I started started out in the sheriff's department and was there for four years. Then I went on to become just a deputy in the auditor's office and was there for about, oh, probably about 12 years. Did accounts payable, did also payroll. I loved payroll because that gave you an opportunity to meet people. I knew, I think I pretty much knew just about every employee in Bartholomew County. And there's like 400 at that time even. I know that's tough for you because you're not really a people person, right? No, no, (laughs) no. I don't like to talk. I don't like to, you know, visit with people, get to know them. And yeah, so, so I really enjoyed that. Then I did go to the treasurer's office for about two, three years. I had, I had, did have some great bosses and that really helped in doing your job, being appreciated. So that was, uh, I did enjoy that. And then the opportunity came to become an elected official as township assessor. That job was a little bit harder. I was used to black and white, just guidelines, state statute that directed you to, you know, what you could pay, your deadlines, when things were due. And and it's just a little more gray in, in the assessing world. And then back to the county auditor's office, which I loved, served there for 10 years. 
and now I am county treasurer. Now, you've also been involved in the Republican Party and all the things they do around here in Columbus. Yes. Or Bartholomew County, actually, right? Yeah, Bartholomew County, right. I was chairman for eight years. I just recently, I think maybe it was two years ago that I, you know, kind of stepped down from the chairmanship, still very involved. One of the things that I really, really love is helping coordinate the events. I really, you know, have done that throughout, especially when we had the market. Had quite a few events out there for lots of, you know, kind of exciting and important people. Well, let's let's go back a little bit farther. Talk about you and and uh, your roots and things. You're originally from the Bartholomew County area, correct? Yes, I'm a lifelong resident of Bartholomew County, born and raised along uh, my husband as well. All my you know, children, we've always been involved with the Lutheran Church, both here at St. Peter's and at St. Paul's. So you remember at St. Paul's for just a short period of time, correct? Yes, yes. When our children were born, they were baptized at St. Paul's. That's where my husband went to church, was always a member there. Then when the the oldest daughter, Jennifer, was enrolled here at St. Peter's, then we chose to continue our membership here at St. Peter's. So like St. Paul is almost directly across from the farm there. So were you always on time to church? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty funny. Yes, for the most part. We still drove. We never walked. I think some of John's family uh, that live close like that, they would walk to church, but we we chose to drive. Uh, So tell me a little bit. (laughs) So your husband's John from around here in in Bartholomew County. Tell us about your, your family, about your kids. My husband's family and my family were farmers. So we were raised on the farm. Both my daughters are also involved in the farming. In fact, my youngest daughter, her degree is in horticulture. She's starting up a business now. We had a farm market for over 30 years. We started that when my oldest daughter was around, I think she was in the fifth grade. My husband, he lost his his father when he was fairly young. And so he started farming with Herschel Whipker. And so he was always involved in produce. And so that yeah, just continued and evolved. And so that we did have a an actual farm market that he just recently retired from about three years ago. Now that farm market is famous here at Columbus, especially here at St. Peter's, mm-hmm. because that was one of the very first field trips that our kids will get when they are in school here, going to the fall pumpkin patch, end of September, beginning of October. And we had thousands of children come. Usually we we kind of designated the farm more for the younger children, preschool through maybe first, second grade. My husband did do a fifth grade class, but that was special for his sister that was a teacher in the Martinsville area. But most of it was geared toward the younger children. They had it really set up really nice where they would go to the market first, hear a little bit about some of the items that we sold in the market, and then They also then went to the petting zoo. We had a straw maze and a corn maze, and then they'd get uh, a story. Plus, they would go out to the pumpkin patch, and I think that was the favorite. And, you know, my husband built a couple of wagons to take them out to the pumpkin patch, and it was really cool. It was a really good field trip. Oh, I can't forget the log cabin. There's a log cabin on the property, and... Of course, the story goes, his great aunt Flory would always tell that there was the the Reno gang from Seymour, from Jackson County, 
that supposedly they stopped and spent the night in the log cabin. But, but that, but my husband, you know, kind of embellished that tale just a little bit. John embellished a story. I don't believe it. I know it is hard to believe. Now, Barb, I know you're a proud grandmother <laughs> as well as a proud mother. Tell us a little bit about your girls and their their children. My oldest daughter, um, Jennifer, has four beautiful daughters who have all gone to St. Peter's as well. So we've got Elena that will be a senior at. Do. Eliza is going to be a sophomore at IU. Oh, a house divided. Yes, okay, yes. But right. we're used to that. Oldest daughter Jennifer went to IU. The youngest daughter Leanna then went to Purdue. So her two younger daughters, Lydia is 13. She'll be an eighth grader here at St. Peter's. And, and then, of course, sweet little Audrey is seven. But she will tell you she's seven and a half. And so. that's all girls and That's all girls Jenny. with now, Jenny. Now, uh, the opposite is what, true with, with Leanna, right? Yes, yes. So Leanna is uh, younger. She has two wonderful boys, Ryan, who just graduated from eighth grade at St. Peter's, and then Luke, who's going to be a seventh grader. Some of the listeners may know that at the last voters meeting, Ryan, who was on the mission trip to Alaska, was recorded and had the opening prayer for the voters meeting. So that was super cool to, to kind of connect uh, mm-hmm. not only the growing younger idea, but also the, the mission that we have. Um, it was just a cool experience. Yeah, that was really, I know he really, really enjoyed that Alaskan trip. They got to come home last Saturday. We were at a ball game at, at Luke, with Luke um, down in Seymour and they picked Ryan up, came home, and and he fell asleep in the chair watching his brother play ball. But he had a really great experience. And both my daughters actually went with you, George, to Branson, Missouri. I was going to bring that up, and you brought it up for me. But for me, that's the another exciting thing, just to see that next generation, that the adults that are now having their kids they went on mission trips with me. The kids are going on mission trips. It just St. Peter's continues to build disciples. So uh, Dustin's leaning forward. I, I know he's got a question coming up. Well, here. I was going to say, as we kind of transition here, um, you know, we'll obviously be, learn more about you, Barb, but as we're kind of transitioning with these episodes, we've been talking about different different kind of careers and so having different guests on and, and speaking to their career and how they're able to live out their faith. So as a Christian, like how do you navigate the field that you're in? So kind of the opening question, you've talked about the different roles that you you've held and everything. So what's your experience been like as a Christian in the the political field? Actually, I think it's just been a a valuable to me that I can look back or, or, or find that within myself to do my job with the values that I was brought up with. I know right from wrong. And, and so, you know, it's like that bracelet, what would that people used to wear, you know, what would Jesus do? And so that, you know, you kind of do that with whatever task that you have. You, and you always kind of bring bring that faith and that right from wrong into your job every day just to make sure that, that you keep, you know, because it is an elected position that I have now. Um, I didn't always have an elected position, but I always wanted to do the best that I could and always look back and said, Okay, if you get something that comes up, okay, what would Jesus do? What and, and always pray about it. That was always helpful in some of the decisions that I would have to make. And and I think that was especially being having been brought up 
all my life in a Christian home was just a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I just really feel, you know, we talked about this, my sisters, because I come from a large family. There were six uh, of us siblings, and we talk about how blessed we were being brought up in a Christian home and loving home. Now, I brought it up earlier because I wanted to bridge in right <laughs> now. You are very active in the Republican Party, and yet, as I've talked to various folks in Columbus, you are respected on both sides of the aisle. I think that that comes from just your personality, that while you have strong principles, you also believe in the in the value of each person. How do you get along with those that disagree with you politically? I think what really helps is I have a lot of family, actually, that are on the other side of the party. In fact, my dad was a Democrat, but... I think you just look at the person. You know, you do look to see who is who would be the best person because we do have both parties and they're both Christian. I mean, there's Christian Democrats, there's Christian Republicans. And I think that's what you have to remember is to look at the person. And you might differ a little bit with what their platform is, but you still have to remember at the end of the day, do, you do need to see the person and, and what they really will do a good job no matter what. And I know that Columbus seems like we have a, a maybe a little more freedom to express Christianity. I know that certain political regions, you know, it's freedom from religion, whereas it seems like here in Bartholomew, Columbus, we're able to express our Christianity. I know that I get to pray at the city council. St. Peter's, we take a rotation where once a, a month. I don't know if that, that happens on the county level. Does the county the commissioners, they start with prayer? Yes, they the commissioners have always started with the prayer. With being when I was auditor, we offices took turns actually for, well, I was auditor for 10 years. So at every single commissioner's meeting there, I don't know if they still do that. I don't, there, there always is a prayer, but I think the commissioners actually do it now. They, they take turns. But back when I was auditor, the, at the be- very beginning, it was, you know, different offices. So you knew that, you know, your assessor's office, your auditor's office, your someone from your office, it didn't have to be the elected uh, official, but you always gave a prayer before. And the same thing is true of the county council. So most all your meetings start with an invocation or a prayer. And we did the same with when I was with the, uh, you know, the Republican Party as well. Any event, we would always start with with a prayer. I've had Pastor Tyke. I know when we did the swearing-in ceremonies at the beginning of, you know, the election cycle, we've had him come and do the invocation. And, and I think it's very important to have that in your parties, your your political, just to know that that God is guiding you, that He is He is the one that is going to be helping you with making those hard decisions sometimes, or especially about some of the things that are going on in today's society with what what the Bible says about abortion, same sex marriages, and I think that's where we don't really see that so much here in our local government with being a Christian and and you getting things really caustic, but you don't, you see that more probably even the state, you see that state government and of course, federal government, you're really seeing politicians really being really having to be careful about what they say and how they come across to, to others. And it seems like, again, that locally, the constituencies is, is more 
maybe more Christian based than, you know, when you get to a state, you've got a wider variety of mm-hmm. folks and federal, of course, you got a bigger variety, but have we uh, experienced, is there a lot of, have we ever had pushback from some of the constituency about how Christian that we actually are as a community and in government? I haven't really seen that much here locally in regards to that. You know, you see a lot of times like if you can have a nativity in your office or out on the government lawn and there might have been something or even, you know, like the Ten Commandments that you've seen in in other regions or, or other places that have has caused, you know, some dissension, but I haven't really seen that so much here locally. And I think it is because we we are a very Christian community. But unfortunately, I think we're getting a little bit more aware you know, away from that. There's less and less people that are being brought up in the Christian faith or, or they're getting, I don't know whether they're just, you know, I don't think they're bringing their children, you know, up. And, and I think the world is changing in regards to the Christianity. I, I know you touched on this a little bit, you know, the, the what would Jesus do mm-hmm. and praying about decisions and stuff. Like thinking, so you've kind of touched on this question already, but, you know, I, I think about the, you talked about payroll where you got to interact with so many different people. So what are the ways that you have sought to like share your faith or to you know just just to show it in you know in your actions and those types of things throughout your your career like what are those different ways that you've you've sought to live out your faith I think probably more by being kind being kind to to people you know smiling is always is always good being helpful you know we are public servants that's what you know taxpayers have uh, you depend on you to to help them, and and if there's a problem, you know I I really do try to help so that they don't. We get so many calls and say, well, this is the second or third office that I've you know had to to call. So so you do try to be helpful to be that public servant that will you know really care, you know, and and that and so I think more so in health. Being helpful, being a good steward, you know, like right now, I I have millions of dollars. So and so just being a good steward of that money, I think there's so many sometimes when people get into an elected office that it goes to their head. And so just still being and trying to be humble and not thinking too much about yourself, but still trying to be the public servant that you were elected to be. Now, I've got to take the teachable moment here now as listening (laughs) to what Barb said. On her side, she said she needs to be nice when people call into the office. I'm just going to remind all Christians that are listening, you also need to be polite when you call in. Uh, I can't tell you how many folks that I've talked to, uh, both within the church and out of the church, that tell me how how mean some Christians are when they call in. You know, you're having a bad day because you're trying to get a bill fixed. The person you're talking to probably is not (laughs) responsible for the error and is trying to help you. You're calling in for the help desk at work or you're calling the maintenance folks from work. Being nice is huge. And you said it. It, Mm -hmm. 
it just puts that face on it that I'm nice first, and then then I've got an opportunity. I think uh, we've had another episode where somebody else shared that same thing. If you're nice, then like people go, well, how can you be so calm and so pleasant when all this is going around you? You have a chance then to say. Well, I've got Jesus in my heart. Yeah. True. I think that's such a, a huge point because I think sometimes in those difficult or frustrating situations, when you respond in that loving, kind way can be such a, a witness, right? You know, specific example, I think of George and I were, were at a restaurant and the service was really, really slow. And then our order got <laughs> screwed up. And the way that George handled it was just so kind. And so like, he's just like, hey, I think there's something in there. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And ended up, George ended up striking up a conversation with our waiter. And it, it just, yeah, it was just really cool how he handled it of just staying calm and just being like, it, it, in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't that big a deal. And so, but I think it was just a great witness to our waiter of like, could have been completely different, but like, hey, this is like taking forever. Could have been angry. That's, so I was like, no, we're just here, we're hanging out. Like, hey, can, you, can we get this fixed? That type of thing. I just think that's just such a great way to witness to people. Like, I think that people, because it, it can be easy, you know, in those types of positions, I'm sure to be have people very angry and respond in, in not so loving ways that it's like, whoa, there's something different about this person, the way they just handled this frustrating situation. So I just think that's important. Yeah, I can also jump in here. Having a daughter who was a waitress, people also notice how you tip. And so she used <laughs> to say she hated working on Sunday afternoons because the church people would come and sit at the table for hours and then leave, you know, 50 cents or, or they'd leave a bro. Brochure. The Jesus brochure means nothing when you have just taken a waitress that's making, you know, what, a couple dollars an hour and lives on tips and you've left them 50 cents in a brochure. They've got a very bad taste about Christians. We better get back on politics here. <laughs> I know I heard earlier, you know, how you thought prayer was so important in your life and keeping humble. I know that you and John and your children have been very active in church. Can you just share quickly? We've, we're getting w way short on time here. <laughs> so quickly, some of the ways that you've been involved at St. Peter's. So just folks know that you're not just working, but you're also volunteering. I served on the foundation for two terms, so in their five years, so 10 years with um, serving that. Right now, I am serving on the Colibarium Committee. That was important to me. I know when it was first brought up, and I was in the meeting, and Pastor Tyke, it was a voters meeting, and I said, okay, do we need to take a vote on this to go forward? And, and then I think I also did a video for the Colibarium to support that. Um, and then we've had other opportunities where we served on the 150th anniversary for the church and that was that was a year long and had to get approval from the city to have our banners put on the the streets of, of uh, downtown so that was quite a ordeal and that was partly because of it being a religious banner that was going to be up that was part of being political and a Christian whether they would allow us to do that. And, and in the room, when I talked, it was Mayor Fred Armstrong at the time. Of course, you know, he's a member here at St. Peter's, but there were others that weren't. And so there was some controversy of, of whether that would be allowed. That was really kind of one of the main things that I saw of being a Christian and with the city or, or, or the county allowing you to have something showing your faith. And they finally did. It was a very big debate in regards to that. 
So that kind of leads into the, the next question I was going to ask, kind of two-part here to wrap it up. So what are some, some challenges that you've, you've kind of faced in being able to share your faith in, in the political area? And then kind of the second part of that leading into if, you know, if other people are listening, how would you encourage other people, you know, maybe some um, younger Christians that are stepping into the political field? Like what are some, some tips or some things that you would encourage them of like when they seek to live out their faith in, in, in that area. So yeah, kind of that two part there. I think the first question was about the challenges. Challenges you faced. Okay. Yeah. The challenges were probably, I mean, that was one when I, you know, asked for a religious banner to be on our public street and really had to say, look, it's it's for a year. It's very important. You know, St. Peter's is a very big part of this community. But I think also the challenges aren't probably as bad in this area as they are in the rest of the world, where this is the Bible Belt. And most of, you know, our families were were brought up in you know, Christian home. So that's, that's a challenge is to keep that faith and keep your prayers, keep your prayers going for those people that are maybe not quite, or have maybe gone away from, from their Christian faith. And that's, that's a big challenge, I think, is to always be out there to put yourself out there and to even talk about it in, in your workplace. That's a challenge because you don't know how you're going to be received, whether you're going to be received with open arms or whether you're going, you know, if you have a bigger office like I had, well, we had half of them and I knew were Christians, but, you know, there were a couple. And so you just, you know, kind of prayed and hoped that they, your actions were maybe someday would be enough that they would, you know, come to Christ or at least remember that that there was an opportunity there. So, and then how to encourage. And I think that goes back again to, to pray for them. Always think about them to always, you know, make sure that they stay on the right track of doing, doing the right thing, following the rules, follow the rules, be kind to each other, treat other people how you'd like to be treated. I have something on the, on my wall in, in my office, 10 commandments of humanity. And it kind of goes down the list of 10 things, just kind of like the Ten Commandments, but only be kind, be smile, say something nice to someone every day. I mean, I can't remember all 10 of them, but but I can look at them. That's why you have them on the wall, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I have them on the wall so I can remember. And just live your life as a Christian, and I think people will uh, appreciate that. And maybe you just never know what life could lead. There's been a couple instances where it has really helped. I just saw one um, because we did talk quite a bit about our faith when I worked with one gal who was a very strong Christian. And there was a part-time gal that worked in our office. And she had her daughter baptized here at St. Peter's. And I just saw her marriage license in the paper. So... Um, it, so you can make a difference. You really can make a difference, even though you don't think you are. You can make a difference. That's awesome. That's awesome, George. Any any final thoughts here? My final thought before Dustin wraps us up here is one thing that we can do is pray for our government officials at all levels. Even if you di- disagree with somebody's politics, uh, God's asked us to pray for kings and those in authority 
Uh, and so we need to pray for our president, our vice president, our, our, our United States Congress, but then get down to the state level, our governor, our uh, vice governor, and then our local officials, city, state, county. Uh, we need to pray for these folks because they are on the front lines. And, and whether they're on the same party as us, whether they're Christians or not, they still, their decisions impact a lot of people. And so, especially for those Christians like Barb, they're in government, uh, we want to pray that they find those opportunities to witness their faith that they can live out those Christian values and still do their job. So, Barb, thank you so much for, for being here today and, you know, taking the time. Um, we know you're busy, so thank you for coming in. And, you know, we hope our, our listeners will continue to, to listen in as we continue to have these discipleship discussions and really talk about how we can seek to, to live out our faith in whatever our career or our job may be. Now go out and serve God and others.